Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 26, The Journey to Interdependence. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I wanted to, before we get started, just tell you a little bit about a program that I've been working on that is now available. It's something I've been wanting to create and put out there for a while now, and I'm really excited about it. It's called Mom Encore, and I'll explain that a little. And Encore is defined as a second achievement, um, one that even surpasses the first. So this coaching program is for moms who are kind of transitioning into that next phase of their mothering. They feel their lives kind of shifting as their kids get older and see their roles and identities as moms kind of changing. And they might be feeling some confusion, some sadness, and even some anxiety about the future and what that's going to look like for them. What will they do with their time and energy and how they're going to feel fulfilled and purposeful in their new phase of life. And really what this program is about is helping you to make the next phase of your life just amazing and having the confidence in yourself to create a life of meaning and purpose and abundance both inside and outside of your motherhood. We tackle all kinds of great topics like um, parenting your teenage and adult children, reconnecting with your spouse, prioritizing yourself, and really developing a system of self-care, reawakening Um, your interests and goals that you might have put on the back burner when your kids were younger, and really tuning into your own unique genius and finding meaningful, meaningful ways to contribute to the world. So basically, we're going to get you feeling optimistic and even excited about your future. Um, And the best way to find out more about this program is to just go follow me on Instagram. You can DM me with questions or even set up a free consult to find out more. Um, I'm really excited about it. I put a lot of thought and love into this program. It's just all the things I'd wish I'd known when my life felt like it was getting turned upside down with really big changes. So I can't wait. I just know this program is going to be so helpful for the ladies who sign up. So moving on, our topic today is something that I've really been reflecting on in my own life a lot lately, some shifts that I've made in the past few years um, that have really been helpful for me. So when I first started this podcast, I introduced a concept called emotional adulthood. I think it was in episode number three, and it is to this day one of my most downloaded episodes. So I guess something in there struck a chord. Um, And the whole idea behind this concept is... Um, that when we are in emotional childhood, we're basically handing over the responsibility of our emotional life or how we feel to things outside of us. It's this belief that things happening outside of us determine how we feel on the inside and that we don't really have a choice, a choice in that. And, and this is actually true, right? In that stimuli or circumstances in our environment actually really do trigger thoughts and emotions. Um, and we and we talk about it this way, right? We say, um, this made me so mad, or she hurt my feelings. We delegate our emotions, whether they're happy, sad, mad, offended, loving, confident, to whatever's happening um, to us, what somebody did or said to us, or um, events that have taken place. And our brains and our bodies can have such practiced automatic responses. I kind of talked about this in the last episode, um, that sometimes it really does feel like we don't have a choice and how we react to our external world. It feels like our emotions are just happening to us. So the cool thing is, and what I work to help my clients see, is that we can intercept these automatic thoughts and habits of thinking 
and actually choose how we want to react. And maybe it will be in the same way, right? Maybe we'll decide, yeah, this is something I actually want to be mad about right now. Um, Or we might just do a 180 and think, wow, I don't think this is really worth spending my time and energy being mad about. Um, And then we can find a way to see the situation from a different perspective and maybe feel some compassion or understanding or even just a little more neutral about the situation, right? And get to a place where we can move on instead of being stuck ruminating about it. Um, And either choice is fine. You get to feel however you decide to, right? That's where the agency comes in. The important thing isn't necessarily what you choose, but that you take responsibility for your choice, that you own it. You acknowledge that no one or no thing is making you feel that way, but that it's totally okay if you want to choose it. And it's also okay if you want to change it. Um, Author Marianne Williamson said, when we refuse to take responsibility for our experience, we pay the high price of not being able to change it. So taking responsibility for our thoughts, our emotions, our actions gets us out of that victim mentality and empowers us to change whatever it is that isn't serving us in our lives. Because once you acknowledge your control over your thoughts and emotions and actions, you give yourself the power to be intentional about them. Okay, so if you want to learn more or get a little refresher on what emotional childhood is versus emotional adulthood, you can go back and listen um, to that episode. I go in a lot more depth in that one. And it's interesting. So some people learn about this concept and actually feel a great deal of relief. They feel a sense of freedom and a weight lifted off their shoulders that um, not only are their emotions not at the mercy of whatever's going on around them, but that the opposite is true as well, that they're not completely responsible for other people's emotions either. Um, And these are generally people who feel um, like they walk around on eggshells a lot, trying not to upset anyone or do anything that would rock the boat. They feel very responsible for other people's emotions and have generally fallen into patterns of um, people pleasing, codependency, things like that. Now, the other reaction I get is kind of a pushback and people saying, yeah, I don't, I'm not really buying that. And they argue that people have needs and other people um, in their lives are there to meet those needs, which, you know, does have some truth to it. But I believe many times um, this idea gets taken to the extreme and causes a lot of victimhood and blaming and strain on relationships. And this reaction generally comes from people who are very dependent on others to meet their emotional needs. They want other people to make them feel good. And they take it out on other people if they think they're falling short. They resort to things like um, maybe passive aggressiveness or um, guilting or shaming the other person or acting jealous or needy. And so we're not here to judge any of these different reactions. I just think it's interesting to take note of which way you tend to lean and notice your initial reaction to this idea. However you feel when you hear um, that you're responsible for your own emotions will probably reveal to you um, the patterns you've created in your own life and in your relationships and whether it's more toward the, you know, the people-pleasing tendencies that aren't serving you, and by the way, they don't serve the other person either, even if you think they do, Um, or if you need to learn how to take charge of your own emotions instead of putting the responsibility in other people's hands to create or control them for you. So I want to talk about this idea from kind of another perspective today, Um, and this has been helpful for me in seeing this issue from both sides of the coin and figuring out how this idea can be helpful for everyone involved. I like to kind of take... Um, these ideas and these concepts and look at them, you know, see how different people would explain them. So in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which you've probably heard of before, it's one of the most popular business and self-help books ever published. Author Stephen Covey actually talks about this concept of moving from emotional childhood to emotional adulthood in a really cool way. 
So at the beginning of the book, he presents this idea of kind of growing from dependence onto independence and then from independence to interdependence. And I think the way he explains these ideas um, really helped me to kind of deepen my own understanding of what it truly means to be an emotional adult and how I can better live from that place in my own life. So he begins by talking about what it means to be dependent. So we come into this life as a tiny as tiny newborn babies, right? We're completely dependent on others. We are nurtured and taught and managed and kept alive by other people, right? And without this constant care, we wouldn't last very long. So our dependence on other people at this stage of our lives is critical. But as we grow, we start to make some shifts, right, to, toward more independence. We Um, start letting go of our dependence on our parents or caregivers and we take on responsibilities that are going to help us eventually survive and even thrive when the time comes for us to go out into the world without them. So most of us make the transition in physical ways, right? We learn how to tie our own shoes, how to take care of our own hygiene, um, make our own meals, drive ourselves around, things like that. But um, as I talked about in the podcast on emotional adulthood, many of us don't really make a full transition into emotional independence, meaning that we are still very dependent on other people in our emotional life. So what do I mean by this? This could show up for you as um, caring way too much what other people think of you. It could be that you have a really hard time making decisions. You don't want to be the one to make the final call on things, um, little or big. Or maybe you don't get your own back when when you do make your own decision. Um, You might think other people know more than you do or that their judgments or opinions trump yours and so you don't ever really say what you think. Um, And this could show up as you maybe being overly needy or aggressive or seeking out validation, which just sometimes comes off kind of creepy or like you're pressuring other people so that you can feel good. And it also can show up as codependency, which is when you need others um, to need you or to be happy with you so that you can feel Um, good enough or worthy or important. This shows up a lot in parent-child relationships and also um, marriage relationships. So dependent people feel that they need others to get what they want in life. And so Stephen Covey refers to dependence as the paradigm of you, meaning you should take care of me, you should do this, you should do that, you are responsible for my feelings. So let's think for a minute how dependency shows up in your life. Because I think it really does for all of us in one way or another. So what are you dependent on others for? Are you dependent on others to feel happy? Are you dependent on praise or validation to feel good or confident about yourself? Do you need someone else's permission in order to move forward and take action on something that you want to do in your life? Um, Do you need someone else to agree with you and your decision before you have your own back about it? Um, Are you just waiting for that perfect church calling to make you feel significant or capable or like you belong? Or are you dependent on likes and followers on social media to feel like you're valuable or loved? Um, Really think about who or what you're dependent on and what you are dependent on them for. Okay, so let's move on to the opposite of dependence, which is say it with me, (laughs) independence. Very good. And Stephen Covey describes this as the paradigm of I. I can do it. I am responsible. I am self-sufficient. I am capable. I can do this myself. I can choose. 
And independence is great, right? That's our goal as parents is to raise children who are independent, who can go out in the world and succeed um, emotionally, physically, spiritually, socially. We want our kids to believe in themselves and their own capacities and abilities. We want them to be responsible and use good judgment and to have their own backs, right? And I think this is where we as moms sometimes um, have a hard time because we spend a good part of our lives raising these kids and helping them toward independence. And then all of a sudden, it's time for them to graduate high school and move on with their lives. And it's just kind of like, wait a minute, um, they don't need me anymore, which of course they still need you, right? Just in a different way. And this can turn into a real crisis for moms because their identities are so tied to just being a mom who's a full-time, you know, whose full-time job it is to take care of her kids. And when that circumstance changes, she all of the sudden can start feeling kind of lost or questioning her purpose. And so this is a big part of parenting is going from being dependent on our children to feel purposeful and important and needed and to learn how to direct our time and our energy toward developing our own independence of being able to live our own lives and rediscover our own um, maybe talents or hobbies um, to give ourselves permission to pursue things that might have felt maybe a little selfish to focus on you know when our kids were younger so all of a sudden we're thrown into this new world And we have to figure out what we're going to do with ourselves. It can be really confusing and discouraging and even scary. So we focus on raising our kids to be independent. But when the time comes for them to leave, it really is this kind of awakening for a mom and probably some dads too, right? To decide what they want their lives to look like as they gain more independence as well. I know that was something I really struggled with when my oldest left for college. And I felt so conflicted because I was excited for the new opportunities ahead for her but kind of devastated for myself. I just felt so lost and fearful looking toward the future of, you know, all my kids eventually growing up and leaving. And it really was this wake up call for me that I need to develop a little more independence, a little more confidence in myself that I was okay with just me, that I was worthy and valuable and important even when I wasn't spending all of my time and energy um, taking care of my kids and being a mom and having them around to validate my usefulness or my purpose. Um, so I want to talk also really quick about another area that I've learned um, that I've needed to gain independence in my life. And this one kind of um, took me by surprise when I finally figured it out. But so I've been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints my entire life. And I'm one of those people who's really good at being obedient. I just never really question um, the commandments or the standards of the church and just spent my life just kind of waiting to be told what to do right? Tell me what to do and I will do it. Not, not, not a bad thing, right? Um, except that as I got older, I realized how dependent I'd become on other people or, you know, the church telling me what I should do. Um, it was fairly easy when I was younger and the decisions, you know, seemed pretty black and white. But as I got older and I had kids and as I experienced different situations and circumstances and choices, I realized that the answer about what I should do or what God thought I should do wasn't always going to be spelled out in a general conference talk or a church pamphlet or even the scriptures for that matter. Um, Some things that I've asked for answers to, things that seemed pretty important to me weren't always revealed to me in a direct, unmistakable way. And this was really hard for me. I didn't want to be the one to make a decision. I wanted God to somehow make it obvious what choice I should make, what he wanted me to do. I wanted him to tell me what the right thing for me to do was and it was a little frustrating um, for me because I believed he was there I believed he was aware of me and my situation and I believed that he cared about my life 
So why wasn't he helping me out with this? Well, one day I was listening to a really great BYU talk um, from Andrew Skinner. It's called The Nature and Character of God. And it's a really good one. Go listen when you get a chance. But he was listing all of the attributes um, about uh, documented in scriptures and in the words of prophets about God's character. And they were all things like um, God is loving, he's merciful, he's wise, he's generous. And, you know, I'm kind of nodding my head like, yeah, yep, yep, God's all those things. Um, and then he said one that kind of made me stop and go, wait, what was that he said? And I had to just kind of stop and think about it because I didn't really understand what he was saying at first. And so I'm going to quote it for you. For you. You'll probably understand uh, better than I did. But he said that an attribute of our Heavenly Father is that he possesses independent faith. That is to say, he is the only being who has faith in himself and is not dependent on any other being or any other power to accomplish his purposes and bring about his desires. If this were not so, we could not exercise faith in him. So I've actually done a lot of thinking about this one and why it is significant that God has an independent faith in himself. So what this is basically saying is that God doesn't need anyone else to validate him or to give him permission to be God and do his work. He doesn't even need his own children to believe in him. And we know there are plenty of them in this world that don't. He doesn't even need his own children to believe in him in order to fulfill his purposes or his work and his glory or to bring about his desires. So God has a faith in himself and in his identity that's unconditional and not dependent on what anyone else thinks of or says about him. And this idea has become more significant to me as I realized that this attribute of God, just like all the other attributes of love and mercy and compassion and humility and forgiveness that we're supposed to emulate and develop in our own lives, this attribute of having faith in ourselves is also something that we're supposed to develop because our purpose in this life is to become like him, right? To tap into that divine nature that is just naturally a part of us as his children and to develop these attributes within ourselves. So just as it's important for me to seek for charity, it's also important for me to seek to develop an unconditional faith in myself, to be able to love and validate and value myself, and to stay focused on my purpose and my mission here, even when other people don't, and to trust myself to make decisions and move forward even when the way isn't perfectly laid out for me. I need to develop the faith in myself to have my own back and believe in myself regardless of what anyone else thinks or says. So if I'm dependent on everyone else to tell me what I should or shouldn't do or how I should or shouldn't feel, then I'm not really using my agency, right? Which is one of the most important gifts we've been given in this life. And I think that learning how to fully use our agency to progress and expand ourselves and our lives and our influence is one of the things that makes us most like our Heavenly Father. God does not want you to sit around waiting to be told what to do in every situation. Yes, personal revelation is important. It's vital, in fact, as President Nelson says, right? But what happens when that revelation isn't crystal clear? I love the verses in Doctrine and Covenants, um, section 58, that say, For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same as a slothful and not a wise servant. Wherefore, he receiveth no reward. Verily, men should be engaged. Verily, I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. 
So I really believe that this independent faith is something God wants us to develop for ourselves. We will always be dependent on him, of course, but I believe he wants our relationship with him to be one of more um, independence on our part, which will lead us into a healthy interdependence, which we'll talk about in just a minute. God doesn't want to command us in all things. He offers guidance. And yes, there are times when we will received, receive a distinct answer or impression. But God also wants us to believe in our own ability to think and choose for ourselves. He wants us to learn to be independent in many other ways as well. If we're totally dependent on others to make us feel accepted or capable or confident or like we belong, we might spend a good part of our lives just waiting for permission to feel good. And I can tell you, as someone who's done a lot of waiting around to feel good, that it's not the healthiest or the happiest way to live. God wants you to be confident in your own abilities, to have faith in yourself and in him, and then to move forward and see what wonderful things you can accomplish together. He wants you to be a co-creator with him, to use your agency to create your life and to include him in that process. So independence is a great thing, right? It really is vital to our happiness and success in life, and I believe in eternity. But um, again, going back to Stephen Covey, he asserts that even independence is not the supreme goal. And so this is where what we talked about before comes in, that we as humans do have a need for love and connection and a desire for validation and approval, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The tricky part is when we become dependent on it. Because if we decide that our sense of worth and security comes from other people and they don't deliver, or that it comes from just the right circumstances and then that doesn't happen, that can be so disappointing, right? Even devastating. So it's important that we first find out how to achieve independence or emotional adulthood so that we can then move into the higher state of interdependence, or as um, Stephen Covey says, calls it, the paradigm of we. We can cooperate. We can synergize our strengths. Um, we can combine our talents and abilities and create something even greater together. We can choose to become interdependent for the greater good of everyone involved. So interdependence looks very different from dependence. Dependence is demanding and needing, needy and generated by scarcity and victimhood, right? Interdependence is about combining the empowerment and confidence and self-sufficiency that comes with independence, with connection, with sharing, with helping and supporting another person and reaching a higher potential together than we could alone. So when you are interdependent, you can generate your own sense of self-worth and love from within and still recognize and understand the need for giving and receiving love from others. Interdependence is how the world functions, right? It's how families and communities and organizations and nations and even economies, all of these things um, that function successfully do so because they are interdependent. Um, and I love this quote from Stephen Covey. He says, um, interdependence is a choice only independent people can make. Dependent people cannot choose to become interdependent. They don't have the character to do it. They don't own enough of themselves. Wow, I just love that. Think about that. How much of yourself do you own? How much of yourself do you accept control over? And how much of yourself do you delegate to others? I just think that's so good. So I think when people argue with the idea of emotional adulthood and gaining emotional independence, they're not really understanding what that really means. They're thinking of it in this harsh, kind of insensitive, selfish way and interpret it to mean that we shouldn't care about other people's feelings. 
Nope, not what that means. Gaining true emotional independence is giving yourself the permission and the power to decide how you're going to think, how you're going to feel, how you're going to respond to the things that happen in your life. It's enhancing your life. It's not taking away from it. And then when you are truly independent, you will understand how to live in a healthy state of interdependence with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers. It really changes the way you show up and how you interact in all of your relationships. Sometimes it just feels easier to be dependent on other people. It's easier to get confidence or value or belonging from the outside than to generate it from the inside, right? And our brains love easy. But when it comes to our emotional wellness, easy isn't necessarily the best way. It feels good in the moment, but it isn't very lasting or very effective in the long run. Okay, so that's what I've got for you today. I hope you've come away with something that was helpful or that at least helped you to see yourself or your life in a new way. That's my goal with these podcasts. So thanks so much for listening. Also, if you like what you hear and would like more insights and information on these topics and more, or if you want to find out more about my program um, for moms, come hang out with me on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching. I hope to see you there. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.